Bring it in. Read Option Pod back. Getting you ready for a holiday NFL week. Uh, and as honestly, I don't think I can remember a weekend where both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are loaded up with NFL football. And I'm incredibly excited. Uh, less excited now that uh, Jalen Hurts won't be playing in this game against Dallas. That was like an all-time moment that I was really excited for to be with my whole family and uh, watch the Eagles in Dallas in a big-time game. But nonetheless, we are here, uh, and my boy Scotty is with me as always. Scotty, how are you? That's good. I'm I'm very tired. My poor dog is sick, so oh, <laughs> it's poor... been uh, a long, long couple of nights, but uh, we're going to make it through, by God. Never like to hear when the puppers uh, get sick. We love Nittany nah. on, this, on this pod. He's a big old lanky boy. Uh, he's a good boy. Well, hopefully uh, Nittany's on the come up here and will be healthy by Christmas. Um, well, since we're here, might as well ask, what are you doing? What's the Christmas plan? Uh, nothing. Not going back to California this year, unfortunately. Too expensive, thanks to the inflation rates rising the cost of airlines travel. So staying home, going to my in-laws and uh, and her uh, and staying with her family. So, uh, my brother-in-law is coming into town from Denver and, uh, my aunt-in-law is coming in from Maryland. So small family on my, on my wife's side, but, uh, it'll be good to, uh, to have family around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm heading up to How Philly, you, bud. Yeah. I'm heading up to Philly, uh, Friday. Um, so when all of you guys are listening to this, I'm, going to be making the trek. I'm curious to see how the beltway here will be uh, in that 95 corridor. It's a mess. I see. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, I'm probably just going to go back roads the whole way. I have a little 15. Yeah, that's what we usually do. (laughs) Well, you can do that. Or the other way you can go, which I do a lot, too, is take I believe it's 301 up through Maryland. This is a very Mm. niche section of the podcast. Traffic on the ones and the eights here on the read option podcast. Yeah, Uh, but anything to avoid 95, which a lot of our listeners understand. So uh, I think I'm going to be taking some back roads, getting myself up to uh, to Philly that way. I'm expecting what what normally would be a two and a half a three-hour drive to be closer to four four and a half uh and i'm gonna have podcasts loaded uh as you guys should all have this podcast loaded um and and give yourself a little something to listen to here as we uh as we continue on uh for the holiday season um but yes christmas this weekend should be fun obviously anybody celebrating hanukkah going on right now uh i believe this is the fourth night of hanukkah so uh if it is i hope you guys are enjoying that um kwanzaa the day after uh christmas yeah Everything right now, it's it's all the all the the major holidays right now going off. Um, so I hope everyone gets a chance to enjoy it with their family. Safe, happy holidays to everybody. Um, it is. I'm a sucker for Christmas. Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the year. I, I say it every year, but it, it is my favorite day. Um, and that's why I was so excited. We Eagles Cowboys Christmas Eve. You win. You you secure the one seed. I apparently I think there's going to be 32 gimples. Uh, in attendance on Christmas Eve, which is uh, as big of a number as we've had in a while because we've got some little ones now running around, some great-grandkids running around. Um, so uh, it's a little disappointing to hear the news today. Gardner Minshew will be starting. But considering the way the Cowboys' defense has looked the last couple of weeks, and this is also going to be a Gardner Minshew 
he spoke at Mike Leach's um, service on Monday this week. Yeah, did we touch on that? I, I don't uh, recall. That was a sad story, man. I, I mean, the whole I, yeah. Actually, you know what? You're right. I don't think we did touch on um, the Mike Leach news. The last time we talked about Mike Leach was on last Thursday's pod because the news had broke that he was in the hospital. He wasn't doing well. Um, the passing of Mike Leach, uh, all time guy. Um, I got a chance to interact with him a little bit. I know I, I shared that on um, on last Thursday or last Friday's pod. Um, really, really sad story. Um, yeah. 61, 63, 61, yeah. 61 years old. Um, it's a hard, it's, it's a bummer, man. It sucks. And, uh, it's, it's the nature of life as, as many of our, as everyone listening knows, but at the same time, like Mike Leach is one of those seminal figures. And, and I know he didn't always say the most politically correct thing sometimes, but, um, if you love football, then you love Mike Leach. If you love football in 2022, then you love Mike Leach. Because yeah. if you um, love passing, you love Mike Leach. I just in general, I mean, the way the game is played now, there's if you were to put a Mount Rushmore on uh, up there of like most influential in terms of scheme um, coaches that have ever existed, Mike Leach has to be on that Mount Rushmore. Um, he has to be one of the top four or five coaches of all time in terms of his impact, the way he saw the game, but also just a hilarious weird guy um who was all about life and meeting people and talking and and he was always bigger than football he used to teach a class at washington state before he went to mississippi state that was on uh military techniques like military and war techniques um and and theory behind like military war and you're like mike leach like the full it's not a leadership class no it's literally yeah. military war <laughs> strategies you can go learn from Mike Leach. And he was just, he was one, uh, one, one in a million, man. He really was a truly unique guy. Yeah. Uh, I should say one of one God, that was the, that was the opposite of what I was trying to say. Um, but an all time guy and, and he will be missed. And Gardner Minshew played for him at Washington state. Uh, he spoke They had Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley. Um, there's a bunch of really big time coaches who were at his service at Mississippi States, uh, in Starkville this past weekend. And, um, I could definitely see, Gardner Minshew going out and just having just tearing up the Cowboys defense for Mike Leach, out for right? the old like, ball coach. Yeah, it, it feels like that might be. But we'll get to that game in a little bit. We got a lot of games to get to um, the overall week itself. There's a bunch of really interesting games. And then there's a bunch of games that, you know, we're not really don't need to really be uh, invested in all that much. Um, and for the first time in a while, we actually have a really meaningful Thursday night football game. Uh, Jags and Jets. Tonight, as we're recording this, uh, the Jets are two and a half point favorites at home. Both teams squarely in the playoff mix. This is a loser leave town match because if the Jags lose this, they fall to six and nine. Uh, and that ostensibly knocks them out of the playoff contention. Um, however, if they win this game, they move to seven and eight. They still have that game against the Titans there uh, to close out the season in week 18 that we've talked about before on the pod. Uh, so they need this game. And for the Jets, they're seven and seven. They lose this game. They drop to seven and eight. They could rattle off the last two, but uh, it's going to put them in a tough spot. So right off the bat, minus two and a half, another Zach Wilson game here for the Jets. And the Jets are favored here uh, against a storming Jags team. This game will be in cold, nasty weather, 46 degrees, rain and uh, some some ice there. Scotty, how are we seeing this one play out? And for that reason alone, I think the weather is going to be the the determining factor. I'm going to stick with the team that has the better run game, overall run game. Okay. 
Uh, I'm not talking about about talent here. I'm talking about overall run game, uh, better offensive line. Uh, I'm over their last two when I've picked them, but they've been my darlings all year. I'm going to take the Jets uh, because I think that that's what this game is going to come down to, and especially on on either side of the ball in the trenches. Quentin Williams coming back is going to be huge uh, on the other side of the ball, um, and he should be be back uh, for this game tonight. This is tradition unlike any other pick in the Thursday night game. You get to see how wrong we are uh, or right we are, hopefully right. But uh, yeah, the Jets, man, I, I think their run game is bounced. They're not going to have to ask Zach Wilson to do a whole lot. Um, and uh, and I think they'll be able to uh, to operate on both sides of the ball with uh, effective ease at home, given the weather. Yeah, getting Quentin Williams back is huge. He's been one of the probably one of the top ten defensive players, if not higher. Uh, honestly, he might be a top five defensive player this season. He's been super impactful for them. Uh, I, I I do really want to take the Jags in this game um, because that offense has been playing. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been playing outstanding football. Uh, but now with Quinnen Williams back, that's going to mitigate any ability to run the football. Before this past weekend, uh, Travis Etienne hadn't gotten over 60 yards in his previous three outings. So uh, last weekend was a bit of an anomaly where he kind of broke out, got 100 yards, ran the ball really well. That's going to be tough to do against Quinnen Williams. Uh, yeah. And then we, we know what that secondary is like. Um, what I will say is that what we've seen from the Jags over the last couple of weeks, too, is that all of their wide receivers are kind of even, right? Whether it's, you know, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, um, Jamal Agnew, even who is like that kind of, he's like the new Cordell the Patterson, <laughs> yeah. right? Where it's like, he's technically a running back, but they split him out. He can kind of just play wherever you put him. Um, they have weapons and Evan Ingram there too. So the thing is, it's basically wherever Sauce Gardner lines up, don't throw at him, which is what we saw Detroit do last week. And I think Doug Peterson's going to have a good game plan here. Um, there is not a single number one wide receiver you got to worry about. Like, oh, man, they don't have, you know, Justin Jefferson this week because he's matched up against Sauce Gardner. I, I look at this game and go. But, but that. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> what, what I was going to say is I look at that and saying like, that makes it almost harder because essentially, you, yeah, no matter who lines up against him, like they're all even right. Like it's a very balanced passing attack. It's not heavy onto one guy. And I think that favors the Jags. I'm going to take the Jags with the points. I know the the weather and everything else. The last time uh, we saw Trevor Lawrence play in a rainy game in the Northeast was against Philly. Uh, and he had some trouble holding onto the ball, which is my biggest reservation here, but I'm a believer in this Jags team. Uh, and I think defensively it's not going to be, a, it's not going to take a lot for them to be able to, to slow down this Jets offense with Zach Wilson. Uh, Maybe with Trayvon Walker out? <laughs> I mean, but like Trayvon Walker has been decent, but like he's not – the. it's not like that's their Quinn Wilson or Williams, you know? It's not like, you know, he's this absolute game wrecker yet. I think he'll get to that point at some yeah. point. Um, he's he better. A, he's the number one overall. <laughs> yeah. And he's a really, really good player. He's a really, really good player. Um, but I don't think he's quite at that level yet. So I, I'm going to take the Jags here plus two and a half. I think the streak continues. I just, I'm not a believer. Also, did you see the gift that Zach Wilson got the offensive line? Uh, no, I did not. He got them line scooters. Uh, why? <laughs> I I mean, typically offensive line, we get like Rolexes or, yeah. you know, Gucci bags or pro, you know, like this no, just, they got okay. Line He's a scooters. child. He's a child. He is. a kid. Okay. And that's the, <laughs> That's the long and the short um, of it. That's the only reason you get a gift like that for somebody 
Yeah. Uh, let alone seven somebodies that it's are grown a, adults that are trying to protect. It's you. a weird gift. It's a weird gift. I, I don't think it, it worked out quite the way that he thought it was going <laughs> to. Um, but hey, you know what? It's the thought that counts around the holidays. That's one thing I've learned. Uh, all right. Let's move to the Saturday games. As Vito pointed out to us uh, on, on Tuesday's pod. Remember, Red Zone is Saturday this weekend. So uh, no Red Zone on Sunday. We have three games on Sunday. Uh, the bulk of these games will be on Saturday, and we have a pretty decent slate. We're going to start off here. The Buffalo Bills going to Chicago, uh, and I'll say this too. This is one of those weeks where I think there's like three games that I'm like, I swear I've never seen these two teams play before. I can't ever remember ever. the Buffalo Bills ever playing the Chicago Bears. Obviously, they have at some point in time, but I have no recollection of this matchup, no history. Uh, and there's a few games like that in this matchup, which uh, in this week, which I think is fun. But uh, the Bills are eight point favorites on the road. The Bears coming off of a impressive cover against the Eagles. Can they do it two weeks in a row, Scotty? Uh, I think they can win two weeks in a row. I don't think they can cover two weeks in a row. I'm going to take the Bears. It's just it's one of those games where I, I don't want to take the bait. And the Bears are, are really good defensively. Uh I think they're going to be able to to withstand some of the fact that uh, that Buffalo hasn't had a really effective running game for most of the year. Uh, they started off really well when with Devin Singletary, and since then it's kind of tapered off. You've seen uh, bits here and there from Singletary, uh, James Cook, who's had a, a couple of big games. Uh, but by and large, it's been Josh Allen, and it's been his show on the ground and through the air. Um, and I think their their off their defense. Uh, will work effectively against uh, against that to, to at least keep it close. And then on offense, uh, you know, just pound the ball. Uh, you know, that's that's been the Bears' M.O. all year, and they, they've been able to do it effectively and, and keep themselves in games. Eight's a lot, and I don't think the Bills uh, have, have proven to me over the past few weeks that uh, that's a number that they can sort of just uh, – you look at that number and, and all of a sudden the, the bills are world beaters. They can, they can put up 40, 50 on anybody uh, and hold teams to, to 15 to 20 points. Uh, I don't see that happening here and I'm going to take the bears. Plus my prop bet of the week is in this game. I'm going to take Justin Fields plus 175 to score a touchdown. A rushing touchdown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or just, touchdown. I guess, any time touchdown. Not a, or, not a passing touchdown. He has to be the one to score the touchdown. Yes. Yeah. So either a run or a reception. Maybe they get a little fancy, a little Philly special. Um, also, I have an update on the uh, the Bills uh, Bills Bears uh, history. Uh, the last time they played was 2018. They've played 13 total times in the history of the NFL. Uh, and the Bills are 5-8 and eight against the Bears all time. Can you believe that? Well, 2013, both these 18. teams kind of, sorry, 2018, uh, the Bears actually were, were pretty good that year. That's the year that they, uh, that was the uh, the infamous uh, double doink year for the Bears. Um, yeah, I, obviously these two teams are in completely different spots then. I'm taking Buffalo here uh, only because, look, Chicago's been a feisty, fun team. Um, but look, the cold weather and the wind is not going to be anything new to Buffalo like it was for Philly last week. Um, and I think honestly, back-to-back weeks playing arguably the two best rosters in football between the bills and the Eagles, um, that's going to be tough. And, and eight points, it's a pretty big number, 
But like if the Eagles had won that game by 10 last week, this is probably an 11 or 12 point spread. I think they're giving the Bears respect because of the outcome last week. I don't think the Bears are that much better just because they kept the game close against Philly in really tough uh, in a really tough environment. Um, 11 degrees and windy is going to be brutal. Um, but again, it's not anything that people up in Buffalo aren't familiar with. So uh, I think the Bills find a way to win this game. I do think it's going to be pretty low scoring, um, but I think I'm going to take the Bills uh, minus eight here. It's a big number, but not so big that I, I couldn't see it happening. So I'm taking Buffalo here minus eight. Uh, all right, let's move on. Another one of these matchups where I swear these teams have never played before. Uh, the Saints and the Browns. How many Saints and Browns memories do you have, Scotty? Uh, Zach Parker is on it. Uh, we've got him doing the research. <laughs> yeah, the the answer is none that stick out uh, in terms of significance. Maybe going back to the Archie Manning days, uh, you might have found something, but those Saints teams sucked. So, uh, and when the Saints were good, the Browns sucked. So I don't think there was ever really an overlap between both of these teams. And look, we have a five and nine Saints team going up against a six and eight Browns team. The Browns are three point favorites at home here. Uh, I'll say this since Deshaun Watson has come back, though, he hasn't looked good. It does seem like the rest of that Browns roster has played pretty well. Um, and I expect the Browns to get a little bit better and a little bit better. I I really hate picking the Browns in any context right now, but I'm going to take the Browns here minus three. Like I, I, I think they're the better roster. I think they've been playing better football. It's crazy to me that they're only two games below 500. Um, and that if they were to win out, they'd finish the season above 500, which given the context and everything else going on coming into the season, and I have to go back to what our over-under picks were. I'd, I'd have them written down. Um, but whatever our over-under picks were, I would have to imagine the Browns are pretty damn close to hitting the over. I remember when we did that, we didn't really know because it was kind of like, well, I, how do you know how many games this team's going to win? Right. Um, but Jacoby Brissett, we talked about them. They had a top five offense with Jacoby Brissett, and that has now dropped off the last couple of days or last couple of weeks since Deshaun Watson's been back. And I expect that Deshaun Watson will come back and, and keep them into it uh, or, and, and will continue to get better in addition to all that, too. So I'm going to take the Browns minus three uh, at home. It's a, it's a good pick, Jeff. The, uh, the Browns, uh, for as bad as they've been historically, uh, over the past 22 games, uh, that they played week 16, they're 18, three and one again against the spread on week 16. Wow. So great pick by you. Completely uh, but... random and probably not all that uh, applicable, but that is, a, <laughs> that is a pretty wild stat. Yeah. And the saints meanwhile are, are just, I, I still can't figure them out. Uh, I, I really can't, um, you know, the, the defense looks decent enough to keep them in ball games, but, uh, the off uh, the offense, you don't know what you're going to get out of Andy Dalton. Alvin Kamara has been a shell of himself for most of the season. Um, and, you know, and I said this last week on the pod, apart from from Chris Olave having a big game, the only other pa- pass catcher who wants to catch anything is Juwan Johnson. And he had two touchdowns last week uh, for the Saints. All the numbers suggest that I should take the Browns. Um, I'm not going to just uh, for morality principle. Uh, I'm going to take the Saints to, to cover the spread here. Uh, well, we're we're three picks in, and you and I are on opposite sides. So this is going to be a bloodbath week for one of us. It's uh, wild. And, and so considering how much you've kicked my ass this year, it's probably going to be me. Five and thirteen, the Saints uh, all time against the uh, the Cleveland Browns. Hmm. Eighteen meetings between the two. That's interesting. Uh, all right, up next here, divisional game. 
Texans, Titans. The Titans are minus three. Uh, and it looks like Vegas. Now, look, the Titans. The the Titans have obviously struggled here over the last couple of weeks, right? That's that's no shocker to anybody. Um, but what's interesting is that it seems like Vegas is actually starting to show some respect for the Texans, right? Uh, the game against Dallas, they almost win that game, and then overtime against the Chiefs uh, for this one twelve and one Texans team. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, are the Texans the best one win team we've ever seen in the NFL? Maybe. Maybe. Um, but does that tr- does that trend continue here? Because at some point the Texans come back to earth with how banged up the Titans are. I don't know if they're going to be able to to keep that going. So only minus three, a seven and seven team against a one twelve and one team. You think minus three? Who's hurt? What happened? No, this is just the way these two teams have been playing over the last few weeks. The Titans losers of three in a row and the Texans uh almost winners of the last two, but against two, you know, presumably pretty good teams. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, this one opened at, uh, at seven and a half. And uh, the reason it's dropped this far is because there will be no Ryan Tannehill. So we have a similar situation uh, to the first time that these two teams play, I believe it was, it was in week uh, eight, I want to say eight or nine. Uh, last time they played the Titans were two and a half point favorites. They won by three. Uh, so this number is dead on, but the Texans uh, in in that game, Derrick Henry had, I think it was thirty two carries, two hundred uh, two hundred nineteen rushing yards, and two touchdowns with Malik Willis at quarterback. And we threw out the question, like, what's Malik got to do? Obviously, nothing. Can he make a play? Even uh, is he going to need to to make a play? I think at this point in the season, it's going to come down to that. He's going to have to make a play. Uh, I don't think that uh, the that he'll. He will be able to, with given the given the receiving uh, situation in Tennessee, uh, and, and having to be one dimensional on offense with uh, with Derrick Henry again. Uh, so I'm going to take the Texans here. I'm with you. I'm taking Houston as well. Uh, the defense has proven the last couple of weeks against Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, legitimate high caliber offensive weapons, whether it's Travis Kelsey, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. Um, you know, Jerick McKinnon, whoever it is that they're playing against, the, the Texans have, have proven that they're able to at least remain competitive against elite level quarterbacks. They did it against the Eagles earlier this year. Uh, Malik Willis is he doesn't do much. I mean, look, he's athletic as hell and he'll probably scramble and have a couple of really interesting plays. But this game is going to be a snooze fest. This is the game that doesn't get shown on red zone for the entire game, like even like Lions Panthers, which we're going to get to in a little bit like that game is more interesting than this one because it's going to be Jeff Driscoll slash uh, Davis Mills, a quarterback for the Texans, and then Malik Willis, a quarterback for the Titans. And I think we've already had our Malik Willis moment where he came in and, and played. Wasn't there a Sunday night football game this year? Wasn't there a primetime game that we saw Malik Willis in this year? So um, mm-hmm. he's kind of he played in his, that game against, like, as I, as against I said, against the, the Texans, Texans as well. There was that couple yeah. game stretch where we saw him play, and it, it's pretty – mediocre uh from what we've seen so far but he also like to your point scott he's got no help around him there's there's nothing there's no one in that wide receiver room even if you get trailing burks back this week um which is still up in the air i i don't know if that's going to be enough to help them i'm I'm gonna take the points in the texans um because i've been impressed with that defense and i think lovey smith realizes the only threat offensively is going to be derrick henry 
And if you're forcing Malik Willis to make plays, he's going to turn the ball over, which is how the Texans, you know, they, they generated turnovers against Patrick Mahomes and against Dak Prescott and against those two teams. And I think the Texans are going to do that again. So uh, I'm with you. I'm taking Houston plus three. Uh, all right. Up next here, we have the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the seven and seven Seattle Seahawks. This line's a little surprising only because it, it seems really big. Um, minus 10 for the Kansas City Chiefs at home against the Seahawks. And uh, also shout out to Geno Smith, named to his first ever Pro Bowl in his 10th NFL season. Wow. Uh, I would imagine he has to be the first quarterback in NFL history to be named to his first Pro Bowl in his 10th season. Um, but really, really cool uh, for, for, for Gino there to find out a way to, uh, you know, to get it done. And, and look, this Seahawks team has been a fun story all year. I've been a big proponent of them. 10 points seems like a lot, especially because the Chiefs, they've won a bunch of games, but it hasn't looked good. My concern here is you're going to have Patrick Mahomes going up against two rookie cornerbacks and a young defense, which – Against mediocre teams like the Giants and those middle-of-the-run teams where the Seahawks have won a lot of those games, that's one thing. Now you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, and you're going up against the best player in the NFL. Um, and I and for as much as I like what the Seahawks have building, especially this year that they were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, um, I, I have to imagine the Chiefs are going to win this game pretty comfortably. But can the Seahawks do enough offensively to keep them in this game? Because, again, for the Chiefs, the Chiefs have not been playing great football over the last few weeks, right? They've been struggling. Uh, what was it 24 points they gave up against the Houston Texans? Can the Seahawks offense generate that money, that many points? No Tyler Lockett, so it's basically going to be DK Metcalf and a banged-up version of Kenneth Walker. Um, I'm curious where you stand. I lean towards no. I do think the Chiefs get a blowout game that they need, but we've also talked about – when the Chiefs are double-digit favorites, they don't tend to to cover the spread as much as you would like. So, um, I don't know. I'm kind of split here. Yeah, well, it comes down to the run game for me, right? A, a, a lot of what has been generating the the success of the Seattle offense has been being able to open it up with Kenneth Walker. Uh, and not only is he banged up, but he, you're facing a Chiefs team that allows 105 yards on the ground per game. Compare that on the other side on defense for Seattle, uh, a team who's second to last in the league, uh, in the league uh, against the run, 161 yards per game given up against the run, and the Chiefs have been doing really well uh, with guys out of the backfield, not all necessarily rushing. Pacheco's had a few big games, uh, McKinnon's had uh, a couple of big games catching the ball out of the backfield. So I think the idea that you have both of those guys as threats uh, in in that Chiefs offense against this defense uh, of Seattle, plus the, the the two rookie cornerbacks, I think Mahomes is going to be able to feast a little bit here. Uh, and on top of that, I think this is this is sort of the lock-in time for Mahomes, right? We talk about this a lot during down the stretch for the NBA in particular, right? Where it's uh, it's the playoff push, uh, even if if you're the one one or two seed, the guys who end up winning the championships lock in, and and that's when you see guys go on those stretch runs. I think Mahomes is is that caliber of player. Obviously, we've seen him do it, uh, and I think this is the time that you, that you need to do, uh, to to click that lock. So uh, I'm I'm going to take the the Chiefs despite the big number. I'm going to take Seattle um, mainly just because I, I think this Chiefs defense is one of the worst defenses they've had since. I think it probably is the worst defense they've had since Mahomes has been there. Um, 
And Spagnola defenses tend to get better as the year goes on, but they haven't looked particularly good, man. I mean, they're giving up points. And um, obviously a lot of that comes to like Mahomes turning the ball over and, and not, you know, kind of, again, it's just that whole like kind of playing with their food mentality where they get up big and then the other team on the other side kind of comes back and they don't really stress about it until you hit the fourth quarter. And with a team that's kind of playing in that mentality, playing against, you know, inferior competition, I feel like Seattle is good enough too. Uh, and Gino has been good enough this year that they can find a way to keep it close. So I'm going to take Seattle. Um, before we get to our next game, a quick word from our friends at Alliance Accounting. The heart of football season is here. The winter wind is blowing. The leaves have already turned colors. And while you watch the seasons turn, you should turn to the team at Alliance Accounting for all your personal and business tax solutions. Alliance Accounting has all the tools and resources you need to be prepared for any season. Their dedicated and knowledgeable team will help you prepare your, your federal and state tax return while you prepare for your favorite team's playoff game coming up here soon. Enjoy your company Christmas party while the Alliance team provides you the bookkeeping you need to maintain your company's financial organization and success. Alliance is here to help you. And with tax day just a few months away, you don't want to get caught off guard like your Aunt Linda on Christmas Eve every year. Don't go cold turkey on your personal or business finances to end 2022 and turn over a new leaf this season with Alliance Accounting. Right now, you can get 10% off your first service with Alliance Accounting. Just tell them the Read Option podcast sent you. So, Read Option listeners, visit the Alliance Accounting website at allianceacctng.com today or check out their Instagram page at alliance underscore accounting and get that 10% off your first service at Alliance Accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way. All right, let's keep going here. A uh, big shout out to our friend Omar there, everyone over at Alliance Accounting. Go check them out, especially with all your Christmas presents, everything else. Want to make sure your taxes are all set to go as we get close. We're only a few. It's crazy. I'll, we're only a couple months away from tax season. I'll pay for your service if you go to him and you make him lose the fantasy matchup against me in the semifinals this week. How about that, folks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, up next here, we got the <laughs> Giants and the Vikings. Interesting year because the Vikings were a four-point favorite at home against the Indianapolis Colts last week, and now they're playing the playoff-bound Giants at 8-5-1, and one, and it's the same spread. According to Vegas, the Giants are as good as the Indianapolis Colts. How wild is that? And against an 11-3 Minnesota Vikings team, uh, look, the Giants are not going to be equipped to handle this offense. Um, but the Vikings have been super unpredictable, right? Um, I, this is a weird test because the Colts were perceived to be a bad team. They came in, played them that way, and then had to have the greatest comeback in NFL history in order to pull that off, right? And then we've seen them go in against a team like Buffalo and have the exact same result when they're playing one of the best teams in the NFL. And now you have the Giants who are right here in the middle. So should we just pencil in a fourth quarter comeback? Should we pencil in another 20-point comeback for the Vikings? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll say this. I don't think the Vikings uh, – the, the Giants' offense is terrible. I, as For as mediocre as the Giant, as the Vikings' defense is, I think they'll be able to slow down the Giants offensively. Uh, and I think the Giants' defense is going to have a lot of problems, um, particularly on the outside, trying to slow down this passing attack. I'm on Minnesota all day, minus four. 
Yeah, it's a weird number, and Vegas is just inviting you to to bet against the Vikings at this point, right? Like it's just it's just it, it, they think we're dumb. We're not. Uh, no, we, we are. Might be. We are. <laughs> um, so X's and O's wise, I think you're right. I think Justin Jefferson's going to have a field day up and down the sideline uh, against this secondary. Uh, <clears throat> we saw the uh, the Giants able to move the ball, uh, particularly in the run game, pretty well against a uh, against a really good. A defensive line last week in in Washington, uh, but on, on the defensive side of the ball for Minnesota, you know they played mediocre all year. Their last three games, they've been turning it up a notch. Ed Donatel, their defensive coordinator, usually finishes in the top half of the league. This is his fourth stint as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. He had the Packers in the uh, at the turn of the century, uh, as they say, the early two thousands, and uh, and his last stint with the Broncos, uh, with uh, with Vic Fangio as their coach. For as bad as those teams were, the defense was still just as good. Um, uh, so I, I, I think that he's, he's turning it on with the, with the, the Vikings defense and they played, like I said, really, uh, a lot better over the past couple of weeks. Um, and, and I think that's going to be the difference is, is the Vikings are going to be able to explode on offense and then, uh, do what they have to do on defense, uh, against a team that can move the ball in the giants. I don't think that the giants will have enough answers. All right. So that puts us both on Minnesota. Uh, all right, up next, we have a couple more 1 o'clock games to get to before we take a quick break. We have Cincinnati at New England. New England coming off one of the worst losses uh, I've ever seen in football. I'm fascinated to see how they come out in this game. Um, look, that's either one that just comp- – and look, like for for where New England is at in the standings and everything else, they're still alive for the playoffs. It's not crazy, especially if the New, uh, New York Jets lose tonight, right? All of a sudden, you win that game, Patriots. You're eight and seven. You're going to be in the driver's seat to hold to pull in that last playoff spot. Um, but after a loss like that, like what what is the psychology of your team at that point? What is the mental strength of your team at that point? Are you even able to really put a good game plan together, or are you just done with the season? Like I, I can't imagine Jacoby Myers coming back and having an awesome day. Like he's going to want to, right? He needs something. He needs like the greatest play in NFL history to help, you know, mitigate what a bonehead mistake he made. Um, but they're also playing arguably the hottest team in football right now with the Cincinnati Bengals at 10 and four. Um, Cincinnati's only a three point favorite on the road, which to me, that number seems way too low. I, right. I, it feels like a trap game, but I'm going to roll with Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati is the better football team unquestioned. Their defense is better. Their offense is better. Special teams is better across the board. Cincinnati is the better football team. Uh, and I think they're going to generate a ton of pressure. I don't see the Patriots scoring a ton of points in this game. And if they do, it's going to be entirely based off of Cincinnati turnovers. And then, you know, maybe uh, just running the ball down the Bengals throat and playing, you know, a possession game. But I like Cincinnati here uh, minus three on the road. Uh, even though betting against Bill Belichick as a home underdog hasn't haven't been too many uh, instances of that over the course of his career, but um, you have some new you have there's, some there's two this year alone. <laughs> yes, but but in terms of like historically speaking, and his time in in New England, there's not a ton of instances of of him being a home dog. Um, so I don't know what the record would be, uh, but I will say this: Cincinnati should win this game uh, and. and how about that? Joe Burrow could potentially take down Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in back-to-back weeks. 
uh, and cement his team spot as the winner of the AFC North. Giant Slayer. Uh, they're 11-3 and three against the spread are the Bengals all year long. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to bet against them at this point, the way that they're playing football. It's complimentary on both sides. Uh, I, I don't think that even even as as run heavy as as uh the patriots are uh, i i think you're right i don't think there's there's a receiver and a and a passing game out there that um for the patriots that can beat this this bengal's defense uh, which again has played better and better week in and week out uh, we saw how dominant they were in the second half of the game last week so uh patriots 0 2 as home dogs this year bengal's are 4 and 2 as road favorites uh, and the Patriots also not great on Saturday. They're 0-3-1 all-time in Saturday games. So uh, I'm going to take the Bengals as well. They're high. There you go. All right. Trap game is a perfect way to describe it too, man. The Bills next week on well, uh, the day after like, New Year's Day. But it feels like every game since the Kansas City game and then before the Buffalo game is a trap game, right? Tampa Bay last week felt the same way. The uh, The Browns the week before that for Cincinnati, like, and yet all Cincinnati does is just show up and win these games that everyone's expecting them to go. This is the trap game. This is the, no. And that's why, and this goes back to not to go on like a tangent here. Cause like I'll never win the argument in terms of like skill set when it comes between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And I know we do this, this debate on the pod all the time, but I do that because I do think they're two of the most special players, young players in the NFL. And for me, it's just a bet on the person. And I think a huge reason why they don't fall into these trap games is because of Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow p- did not play well in the first half last week against Tampa Bay. Uh, the whole team didn't play great, but at the same time, wasn't like an awful performance from everybody else. Joe Burrow was bad in the first half. And Joe Burrow was the one that came out in the second half and completely changed the way that that game unfolded. And he's also the one that ended up beating them. What was it 35 on an answer points? Um, that's a Joe Burrow thing. And that's like the human side, right? As our friend uh, Colin Cowherd would say, the manalytics, right? But there is truth in that. Um, when we had Ryan Leaf on the podcast in the spring and who is widely touted as the, arguably the biggest bust in NFL history, I asked him straight up, right? How much of it is talent versus the personality? And his answer was, we always take the talent because talent ultimately is the thing that's going to win out. And and I understand that, but he said the gap is a lot closer than what people think. Um, you obviously have to be talented to be the number one overall pick. You have to be talented to be one of those top guys, but you also have to be the right kind of person because we've seen people with ridiculous arm talent. We've seen the Jamarcus Jack Russell, Wilson, <laughs> right? We've seen guys. Yeah. But like, are you, are you cut from that cloth? And you look at people like Jalen hurts who didn't have the arm strength and didn't have the accuracy and didn't have that stuff, but he had the intelligence and the work ethic and the leadership skills to take over and to eventually get to the point that he has now where he's the front runner for the MVP. So um, it's just one of those things where it's like Joe Burrow is somebody where they have this stretch of games. You you beat the Chiefs. Third time in a row, you beat the Chiefs. And then you have the Browns, you have the Bucks, and you have the Patriots. All three of those games, I could see that Cincinnati team losing. And I don't think they lose any of them. And a, a major reason of that is because of Joe Burrow and the kind of leader and quarterback that he is. Not to say that it's different with, with Justin Herbert, but just a specific to, you know, to Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Cool, man. That motherfucker is cold as ice. Um, all right, up next here, we have the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers. 
Uh, Detroit is a two and a half point favorite on the road. Uh, and again, they need every win that they can get. Now, this is big for them, too, because we have the Washington Commanders on the road playing your Niners, Scotty. And we have the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks in Kansas City playing the Chiefs. And assuming <laughs> the Niners do their job and the Chiefs do their job and the Lions win that this game, the Lions at eight and seven would be in the postseason. So uh, a huge, huge weekend for the Lions. They have to win this game. Is the pressure going to be too much for them, or do they find a way to pull it out? Minus two and a half on the road. I like the Lions right now. Yeah. You know, I wrote in my notes, uh, this happens every every once in a while, maybe two to three times a season. Uh, but in my notes are just a bunch of question marks uh, for a pick against the spread because – Listen, you you talk about what the the Lions are fighting for. The Panthers are right in the mix in their division, uh, right? And Tampa Bay has has no slouch of a game. Um, uh, Well, last week they didn't. They go to to Arizona this week, uh, but it's on the road, right? And so you never know what's going to happen, especially the way that they've played. It's right in front of the the Panthers, and it's going to be a tough spot for the Lions. Uh, A second straight road game for them. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet maybe and 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 really nasty in charlotte um and and sh- the panthers have been physical on both sides of the ball what i do think is going to happen though and, and here's why i agree with you is that the success of the panthers offense has been through the run game uh and, and i don't think that they're going to be able to establish much of one as they did last week against a really good defensive line the lions defense has just drastically improved the entire season both in the secondary on the defensive line as well. They're they've, they were like dead last through week eight in, in def- uh, expected points allowed per play. They've been 13th in the league since then. So uh, because of that, I think they're going to be able to mitigate any, any of the issues that, uh, that would present them with the Panthers offense. I'm not confident in Sam Donald, uh, even as, as good as he's played. That's a nice story though. So I'm going to take the lions too. Uh, that's where I was leaning. Well, and here's the thing, too. Sam Darnold hasn't played that well. He's won games, right, which means he's played well enough to win games. But you don't look at what Sam Darnold's done statistically and go, like, oh, yeah, the Panthers have their quarterback of the future on, on their roster right now because they don't. Sam Darnold hasn't been great. Um, he's done enough to keep them hanging around. And as we've talked about on the pod before, the Panthers' defense is young and continuing to grow. And if you are a potential head coach, knowing that, you know, hey, maybe they give the job to Steve Wilkes, but if in this next coaching cycle, the Panthers are an attractive job because you are loaded with young, athletic, cheap, defensive talent. Yeah. And if you go out there and find a quarterback, right, you, you can draft one, you trade for one, you trade up for one, whatever it is, you find a quarterback, the Panthers are going to be a pretty good team moving forward. Like, they have pieces. They drafted a left tackle in the top 10 last year, right? Um, and Iki Akuna, who from NC State, who's going to be ideally, though he struggled at times this year, ideally he'll be your long-term left tackle, right? He's a rookie, yeah. I mean, so I, if you're that's the where Panthers, reps are, are a huge part. But I bring that up only to say that just like the Panthers don't have a good answer at quarterback right now. The Lions have a really good defensive line. The secondary is playing better. They can run the ball, and I think they're going to be able and- to run the ball against the Panthers, and they can throw the ball. Like 
the the Lions and, they, and Jared Goff, like as long as they give them protection and that Lions offensive line, I've said it since the preseason. And just now people are talking about the Lions having one of the best offensive lines in football. I've been saying that since before the season started. All of us, yeah. Join the read option. We're we're going places with uh, with our statistical analysis. The the Lions' offensive line is really good. They're going to give Goff time. I I think the Lions win this game, and I think they make the think they make the playoffs. I think so too. Even still, and look, they're they're going to end up playing the Vikings in the first round. So, (laughs) or the or the Niners. I don't want to be the one to knock them out in the first round, uh, but but I will. Uh, How awesome would that be though if they played the the Vikings in round one? And beat them on the road. <laughs> they could absolutely do it. Take that, Kirk Cousins. Uh, the other thing, too, with the Panthers, they're they're going up against the Lions offense who gets in the red zone. And the Panthers' defense is in the bottom third in, in red zone points allowed. So uh, against against the Lions offense, who's in the top third in red zone in scoring. So that's that's going to be an interesting bounce, especially given the weather, uh, if, if the Lions can be able to, to run the ball uh, effectively, especially as in the red zone. Uh, yeah, um, no question. All right, uh, up next, we have the Atlanta Falcons on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Going to be a cold, uh, ugly game weather-wise there in Baltimore. The Ravens are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Lamar Jackson once again ruled out of this game. Um, I'll tell you what, man. The Ravens with Tyler Huntley are not an impressive football team at all. Uh, Tyler Huntley has not looked good. The rest of the team hasn't looked good. If you're talking to me about offensive weapons, I think the Falcons are a better team for that. Obviously, the Ravens' defense is really good, and this is going to be a tough test for Desmond Ritter. But the way the Saints' offense has been playing over the last few weeks, I was pretty impressed that Desmond Ritter in the second half of that game, and I even said that on Friday's pod, that at Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter was a second-half quarterback. And in the second half, they closed that gap and got it to a one-score game Six and a half points is way too little. The Falcons' defense isn't great, but it's also not horrendous. And they're playing this Ravens team that offensively can't do fucking shit with Tyler Huntley. Yeah. So who does six, the, who does, go ahead? Who do who does who do the Falcons have to guard on Mark Andrews? Yeah, it, it's Mark Andrews, right? and, and then the make, run game, <laughs> and make, yeah, and make sure that you're not getting gashed by you know. Tyler Huntley on on a read option or you know um, JK you know, yeah. JK Dobbins. but even JK Dobbins looks awful like he I know his numbers have been good but like eyeball test like he's limping and running like his knees are like shooting out in weird directions like I'm worried for that dude's knees like I genuinely yeah. I'm I'm concerned about it um so I I don't know. I to me, six and a half points is way too many points. I I love the Falcons plus six and a half this week. Uh, me too. So uh, I'm going to take the Falcons. But here here's my analysis. All right, the Ravens are wearing purple tops, black pants. They've done so twice this season. Both were wins by three points or less. Week seven was a win by three, twenty three twenty against the Browns. Week thirteen, a win by one, ten to nine against the Broncos. The Ravens are 3 and 0 straight up versus the NFC South, 2 and 1 against the spread, but in games this season that feature Bird against Bird, Falcons against Ravens in this one, the road team is 3 and 1, oh. give me the Falcons. This is the kind of statistical analysis you come to the Read Option podcast for. This is hard hitting. I uh yeah, no, I don't really know how to 
Yep. No, good statistical analysis there, Scotty. <laughs> Real up. Love, love that one. Love that one. Um, all right. So we're both in the Falcons and uh, that'll wrap up the first half of the pod. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We have uh, the, the last three games from Christmas Eve, as well as the Sunday and Monday night game. Uh, we got Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night football all weekend. Um, what better also, way to we're in the, better way to spend the holidays than that? And so. we're in the heart of bowl season, so uh, let's let's ride. Not wrong, not wrong there. All right, so uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back uh, on the other side, wrap up our preview for Week 16 in the NFL, and get you on your way to your holiday weekend. We'll go from there. All right, you had Lions Falcons to end, right? So we're. Uh, we had Falcons, Ravens is the last one. I know. I'm oh, the last, yeah, picks. I had Sorry. Lions and Falcons, yes, in the last two. Okay. Wow, we agreed on the last four. I don't like it. <laughs> well, we disagreed on the first, like, four, so. All right. <laughs> Coming in. In three, two, one. All right. The afternoon slate on Saturday once – Here's the when do you typically do uh dinner on Christmas Eve? Uh usual dinner time, six, seven. See, because we always we, we tend to do it a little bit earlier for the gimples, but with this Eagles game at 425, I'm really curious as to when we're gonna we're gonna pull out point. the pierogues. at four oh five. We're gonna boy. pull out the pierogues. They typically start frying the pierogies. A little bit early in the Gimple household. So uh, I have a feeling we might be done dinner by the time the Eagles and Cowboys game starts because all the all the men are and, and some of the women, too. We're just going to be locked down. We're doing it at my Aunt Marion's house. They got a great bar in their basement. I have a feeling we're all going to be sitting down there and, and locked around the game on uh, on Saturday. Well, but here's here's the thing about uh, about Italians like me. We do seven fishes, so it's a lot of uh, prep, a lot of cooking all day, uh, and, and uh, so we're 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 going to be probably eating later, which means uh, I'll be helping out in the kitchen potentially while the the Niners are on. So I'm going to have to. Yeah. To, to peek in man Run this is a this is a that trouble. sucks for you too because you're in the market now too you're in the washington yeah, market so you, right. you'd want to be able to watch it on tv in the basement um, two tvs well, one so with red zone our, one with the niners as third with the eagles on <laughs> as we're recording this right now the uh the uh the gimple clan my parents at least are on their way to go start making the pierogies uh could be anywhere between three to five hundred pierogies made by hand from scratch What's the, the record? I believe it's almost 500. Oh, wow. Um, it is the it, max we've ever Tell you done. what, if you get that high, bring some back for me, will you? Oh, well, we always get leftovers. But we also have we have like a record number of people coming to, to Gimple Christmas Eve this year, which is uh, exciting. Part of what was going to be exciting for this, this Eagles game. But because of that, because we make them all, all we have to do is fry them on Christmas Eve morning uh, and then keep them warm. And then, you know, we start serving them up. So... It'll be interesting to see this year uh, at what point we do it because I think all the women know we're going to want to start watching the Eagles game right at 425. Um, that being said, before we get to the Eagles game, let's talk about your Niners playing okay. the Commanders out in uh, so far, or sorry, Levi Stadium and Santa Clara. How dare Clara. you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Niners are seven-point favorites. Uh, I think this is a really, 
really tough matchup for the commanders. They did not look great on Sunday night. I know there were some questionable um, calls in terms of the officiating and, and, you know, Terry McLaurin checking in on the line and whatnot, but still offensively, like Taylor Heineke has kind of hit his wall a little bit this year. Now he's going up against arguably the best defense in the NFL. Um, Seven points. Uh, The commanders do get Chase Young back, but there's some interesting numbers of, of the defensive line actually being better when Chase Young is not on the field. Hmm. So that actually might help uh, Brock Purdy a little bit here. The weapons, obviously, for the Niners offense outclass the defense for the commanders. I like the Niners minus seven right now, Scotty. I do too. Uh, you know, even even without... Um... Oh, I just drew a complete blank. Uh, anyway, so here we go. Uh, look, <laughs> even what, without what did... who? Uh, yeah. <laughs> What what just happened? Your brain just without Debo. God, there we go. There it is. Thank you. I was like, yeah. what in the hell just happened? I just short circuited live on air. Um, all right. So, um, I, even without Debo, I like like what the offense can do to get you the the seven to win uh, on defense. It, like you said, it it's one of the best defenses in the league. They allow seventy four rushing yards per game, um, sixty seven or yeah, fifty seven yards per game over the past three games, uh, rushing yards per game. So. Um, that's going to be tough for for a team that that sort of establishes itself and opens itself up by running the football with guys like Brian Robinson, uh, Antonio Gibson when he's healthy, uh, JD McKissick as well. So uh, it's it's going to be tough for them to to sort of get anything going. And then you know if they can, the secondary for the 49ers, which has largely been the problem over the past couple of years, well they have more interceptions. They have 14 interceptions this year. Then they've allowed passing touchdowns at twelve. So, wow! Uh, for for Heineke to be able to open up uh, and throw the ball, even as talented as Terry McLaurin is, and how well he's played this year, uh, uh, Jahan Dotson as well in his rookie year, my guy out of Penn State, uh, who had a touchdown last week as well, playing great. Uh, it's going to be tough for them, I think, to to be able to to effectively get in a rhythm on uh, on both phases of of their offense, and and. Beyond that, even if they do get in the red zone, the Niners are second in red zone points allowed uh, with 98, and they allow the fewest red zone plays. So uh, even if you do, it's going to be tough sledding. Uh, and all that combined, I think the Niners' defense is going to hold them uh, well within the seven points in the offense, obviously. We've seen how good Brock Purdy has played. Uh, he had his big tough test on the road last week in Seattle. He's back home this week, and uh, and he played well there the, the, the previous two games. So I think the Niners are, are well within – uh, well within the seven points. I think it's it, this one seems confidently more of a of a, a big game for the Niners offense for me than uh, than most games the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, look, the Commanders defense has been really good, um, and, and I do think that's going to pose some sort of a threat to this Brock Purdy offense um, at some point, as we know. And and look, everyone has been uh, across the board praising you know Kyle Shanahan for what he's done with Brock Purdy. But we've been here before, and I, and I brought up the the Nick Mullins and all the you know the backup quarterbacks and CJ Beathard and those guys who've had big games Dude. before. Maybe Brock Purdy's different, right? But at some point, I do expect him to struggle. That being said, I think the offense and because of how good the Niners' defense is, even if Brock Purdy doesn't have his best day, I I could see the Niners like legitimately shutting out this Commanders because team. you still have well the. 
Defense, yeah, but you still have Christian McCaffrey on offense. You still have Brandon well, yeah, Ayuk on you, offense. You, you have, still you have, have George helpful, Kittle. Yes. Yeah. You, you have some helpful aspects of it too. But to me, the biggest thing is – And the offensive is, line is, has played better, defense, except McGlinchey. It's, <laughs> it's it's the offensive line, but it's it's the defense. Like the fact that the, you go into a game, the confidence as a quarterback you have going in when you know that your defense is that good just – makes you that much better of a player. And I think we're going to see that this week. And I, I I expect a lower scoring game from the Niners offense, maybe in that like 17 point range. But I also don't think the commanders score more than, you know, maybe a touchdown, which I think makes this, this minus seven, a safe bet. So we're both on the, uh, on the Niners here, which uh, I like. All right. Uh, let's get to the Eagles game. Eagles, Cowboys, um, some of some of the air has been kind of left out, like sucked out of this game. I think people were really excited. People thought it was going to be a really fun game because you know Jalen and and the Eagles and look, you're one one away, and and both these teams are in such good position. The Jaguars pull off that win last week, which is looking even more important now with what happened with Jalen and the injury. I still think we see Jalen by the end of the year. Um, I also have a spin zone on this long-term because look, if the Eagles go out there and they lose and they get their butts kicked by, you know, the Cowboys here and Gardner Minshew has a rough day. Um, I'm not stressing because I actually think long-term when you think about the playoffs, it's actually a better thing, right? Because they always say how hard it is to play a team in your division three times, right? And, and to win all three. Um, Boy, don't I know it. <laughs> right? It, it, it's just a tough thing, right? So I look at this game, and I look at Gardner Minshew coming in. Whatever offense they're going to be running is going to look a lot different than what they've been running with. Uh, there will be similar like route concepts and, and somewhat similar running game to an extent in terms of I think they're going to commit much more to the run. Um, but they're not going to be able to run the read option stuff. So I think it's going to be a lot of quick passes. I think it's going to – I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. I I don't think the Eagles are going to win it, but I do think for the playoff run, it's actually better for the Eagles for whenever Jalen comes back and assuming the Eagles do get the number one seed, it is more likely than not, unless the lions were to upset the uh, Minnesota Vikings, in which case the Eagles would play the lions. Um, The Eagles are probably going to play the Cowboys in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, and in which case, I would rather have Jalen not have just played them a few weeks beforehand. I'd rather, you know, have kind of Gardner Minshew go out there because I think it actually kind of makes them harder to predict, right? And it's going to be like learning a whole new offense and a whole new defensive scheme. And I also think there's not an insignificant chance that Gardner Minshew goes out and does win this game um, for, for a bunch of reasons. I think Gardner yeah. is one of the better backups. Like we saw he won you know, seven games in Jacksonville. That's a hard thing to do to win yeah. seven games in Jacksonville. Um, and I, I, I do think, like I said, I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. Um, but I also, I don't know. I think it's a really hard game to pick. The Cowboys are right now five point favorites at home. The defense has struggled, but look at the quarterbacks they've struggled, right? Trevor Lawrence, obviously last week played really, really well, but Trevor Lawrence hung up 40 on him. And then you look the week before that, and it was Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. Now you have to add in the whole, hey, look, this is Eagles-Cowboys. This is one of the biggest rivalries in football. You have to bake all of that into it. 
But I, I do think the, the Eagles and, and Gardner Minshew has, has a chance to win this game. I'm taking the Cowboys to win, but hmm. do you think the Cowboys cover? Is this going to be a closer game than what people think? Well, I was going to ask you, if you could pick out a weapon, hmm. an offensive weapon on the Eagles, who do you think uh, is that guy who, See, who can produce? You said you did a lot of like, we're going to do some short routes that to me means like A.J. Brown's going to feast a little bit on some of the the slant game that – that that they've he's he's known for he did a lot in Tennessee as well he's done a lot this year um but but you know you're getting your tight end back so who's that guy to you well so I wanted to go and take the Miles Sanders over in rushing in this game um primarily because um I it just it, it makes the most sense to me um but and I love what you did here because we talked about this in the break and we'll let everybody everybody behind the curtain I was trying to figure out what my prop bet of the week was going to be. And at this point, I lost the the Scotty versus Jeff versus Vito picks on the year. I'm not coming back from it. So this is for the people. This is for the people listening, right? Dallas Goddard coming back from injury. Could have come back last week. They held him out an extra week to get some extra help healing in, right? He's going to come back 100%. Dallas Goddard, anytime touchdown score is plus 270 it's a oh, fantastic <laughs> fantastic odds um the other one i looked at that i would say is a toss-up and hey will you give me this what if i said at i would say dallas goddard at plus 270 or miles sanders plus 165 anytime touchdown score can i get both of those as my lock can i do both of those yeah i'll in? give you both yeah thank you well i'm getting my ass kicked so I, that's a yeah. charity concede consideration but yes <laughs> Plus 165, Miles Sanders, anytime touchdown, plus 270, Dallas Goddard. I think one of those two guys finds the end zone for the Eagles this week. Um, and I think if the Eagles do pull off a win, it's going to be behind Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard. And look, like Trevon Diggs, like they're going to be blanketing and covering, um, you, you know, uh, A.J. Brown. On the other side, you got Byron Jones, who's been struggling like a motherfucker there for the, for the Cowboys. And you got Devontae Smith on the other side. If there's one thing Devontae Smith does as well, if not better than anybody else in football, is getting open on short routes, like on five to seven yard routes, because he's he's such a good route runner. There's always separation. And I have a feeling that um, if I could bet the odds for someone like Devontae Smith on his over receiving yards for the game, I would. They might be up. By the time the game rolls around, as we're sitting right now, all the player props have been pulled from, uh, at least from FanDuel. But I like Miles Sanders plus 165 anytime touchdown, and I like Dallas Goddard. So we're going to add that. I'm asked. And I was yeah, going to say, I'll too, give you both. Yeah. I'm going to take the Eagles. I'm going to take the Birds. I think they're okay. going to keep, I think they're going to keep it close. You switched. I, think, I do think the, no, I think the Cowboys win the game. I didn't switch. I think the Cowboys win the game, ah. but I think the Eagles keep it close. Um, so I'm going to take Philly plus five, uh, and I'm going to take Goddard and uh, and and uh, Miles Sanders there. Touchdown. Uh, now I'm asking for a friend who uh, might be in the semifinals of their fantasy league who has AJ Brown on their team. How do you think AJ is going to do? <laughs> I mean, look, AJ Brown, the quick slant to AJ Brown is is one of the most unguardable plays, right? But also Jalen and AJ have incredible chemistry with one another. Um, and I think that's going to play a big part in it. Um, 
I think you still have to start him. Like I, he's still, he's so good. Unless you have a really strong wide receiver backup option. I think you have to start AJ Brown in your fantasy lineup this week. No, he's got Garrett Wilson uh, tonight. Anyway. Uh, all right. Enough fantasy talk. Um, Are you taking Eagles or Cowboys? I'm going to take the Eagles, and here's why. I think the their defensive line play, we've talked about the Cowboys offense, how it needs to start through the run. That's going to be hard to do against this defensive line for the Eagles, especially with the depth that has come back. Uh, that game's going to be one in the trenches, right? The Cowboys defensive line is good. The Eagles offensive line is infinitely better. And, and look, the way the Eagles beat the Cowboys uh, the when they played each other in Philadelphia was key on Micah Parsons uh, with the read option and and make him make a decision. You're not going to have that this week, so it's going to be a lot tougher, and I expect a a lot more uh, aggressiveness out of the the Eagles' offensive line, and I expect their defense to to recognize that that, uh, dilemma on the offensive side of the ball and say, hey, let's step up and shut them down in the run game and make Dak make a play. and and that's a lot of how the Cowboys lose ball games, as we said uh, earlier this week on the podcast. So I'm going to take the Eagles as well, and yeah. I think they went out right. The Eagles' defense, if they show up and 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 ball out, because like the Jags' defense, the Texans' defense, the Eagles is a the Eagles' defense is a lot better than both of those teams. Um, but the Cowboys also put up points against both of those teams, right? They you know 27 against the Texans, and was it 30 something against the Jags there? Um, so it's just a matter of I, I think the Eagles can hold Dallas to let's say twenty four ish points. Can Gardner Minshew get enough against that team to be able to put the points? I think he can, but I think it's that's leaving the mustache. Um, and also, yeah, it's it's the Mike Leach, you know, game. Like it, it's it's setting up perfectly for that. Um, I also want to say here too, eight Pro Bowlers, starting Pro Bowlers for the Eagles. Um, and get this, Scotty, everyone on the Eagles offensive, every starter on the Eagles offensive and defensive lines are either Pro Bowl starters or alternates. Yeah, I mean, that's how, why how ridiculous you've lost one is game. <laughs> Which is why I go back to, I mean, look, obviously A.J. Brown's been a huge part of it, but I said this, I say it every year, man, like. The trenches are where it's won and lost, but just that stat was crazy to me. Three starters on the offensive line for the Pro Bowl are all Eagles starters. Uh, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, and Lane Johnson, and then Sayamalu and uh, Mailata are both Pro Bowl alternates. Um, You have Hertz, obviously, A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders makes his first Pro Bowl. uh, Yes, sir. And Darius Slater. Darius Slay makes a Pro Bowl for the Eagles, and Hassan Reddick are the starters. Uh, but then, yeah, Fletcher Cox uh, is an alternate, I believe. Uh, Javon Hardgrave, uh, who is has 10 sacks as an interior defensive lineman, did not get in as a starter, which I think is complete horseshit. Um, but, hey, you know, it is what it is. All right, let's move on here. The Saturday night game, we have Raiders-Steelers. Uh, not what you would have been hoping for for a, a primetime game on Christmas Eve, but – could be an interesting game. Both teams are six and eight. Um, right now, the Steelers are a two and a half point favorite. Um, and I don't believe that either of these two teams are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet. So who knows, right? We might see one of these two teams in the playoffs uh, if shit hits the fan for a team like the Jets, right? Because if look, if the Steelers, whoever, whatever team wins this game, and if the Jets lose tonight, we'll have the same record as the Jets. 
So who's to say that the Raiders or Steelers can't find their way into the playoffs? Not likely, but who's to say? Um, we know the NFL is mean, <laughs> a lot crazier than that. Um, I like Pittsburgh minus two and a half here. I know the Raiders – uh, the, the Raiders are going to come out and they're going to get off to a lead in the first half that I'm confident with the second half though. I mean, if you're playing the Steelers, uh, I believe it's going to be Trubisky again. I've not heard yet whether or not we're going to know whether it's, uh, Kenny Pickens or not. Um, but Trubisky Pickett. actually played George Pickens as a wide receiver. Sorry, Kenny Pickett. That's it's a problem with Pickens and Pickett on the same team. Um, well, I don't see Kenny Pickett listed on the injury reports. So maybe we will see Kenny Pickett come back. Um, either way, I kind of like the Steelers here, even though the Raiders offense looked a lot better. But the, the second half for them is so bad consistently. I don't understand it. Enough with the Raiders. All right. I, look, I don't think they're a good football team there. They won an emotional game last week because of a, a, a weird play. The weirdest play we've ever seen in the NFL at home. Big deal. Guess what? You're going to have to go play a night game in prime time in Pittsburgh, nine degrees, wind blowing. Forget about it. Not only that, but the Steelers, I got to give a shout out, man. It's going to be an emotional win for the Steelers uh, in this one as well. Uh, one, of, one of the greatest running backs of all time, Franco Harris, passed away the other day, yeah. uh, two days before the uh, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which he made against the Raiders. Um, and so... Uh, an emotional game for the Steelers. Franco Harris, one of the best running backs, as I said. Every, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a, a Penn Stater. I had the the great fortune to meet Franco uh, my freshman year in college. One of the nicest humans you'll ever meet. He'll talk to anyone. He'll talk ball with anyone, even if it's for the 15 seconds you have to get an autograph and take a picture. So uh, legendary, legendary man, legendary football player. Uh, hope he is well on the other side. And so I think this is an emotional win for the Steelers uh, in this one as well. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. Um, he was one of my favorite people I came across with and uh, when I was on ESPNU as well. Uh, really, really down-to-earth, incredibly kind, just sweet, generous man uh, who loved football, like even to his, his dying breath, like loved football. So, um, yeah, you can't pick against the Steelers in this game. Just or You can't. No, we're both on Pittsburgh. Done. Um, all right, that brings us to Sunday. Uh, we have four games left, three of these games on Christmas Day. Uh, this is the third game of, like, have these two teams ever played each other? The Packers and the Dolphins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How weird. What a like, – just like, picturing those uniforms on the field at the same time, I have yeah. no – yeah. No idea whether these teams have ever played. I'm sure obviously they have, but like so bizarre. Um, Crazy too, that the Packers are only two games behind the Dolphins here, considering how weird those seasons have gone. Um, But the Dolphins are four point favorites here at home, 57 degrees and rainy in uh, Miami on Sunday morning, which kind of makes me want to take the Packers. Am I crazy? For wanting to take the Packers plus four in this game, Scott. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think the the idea that the the Packers have found success through the run game, uh, and then they're going to go into this weather. Uh, if I'm Aaron Aaron Rodgers, I'm like uh, other Aaron. You take over today. Uh, it's going to be your show uh, because uh, the the Dolphins have been a, a team that you can run against this season. Uh, and so I think if you start establishing that uh, and, and then get Aaron Rodgers in rhythm, it, it's 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 going to be a good game for them. But uh, I, I don't think that the, 
the Packers offensive line, especially with Bakhtiari out, um, I don't think that they're capable of of withstanding the the amount of pressure uh, that the the Dolphins defensive line has given over the past few weeks. Um, and uh, and I think the offense can explode at any time. And with guys like uh, like Eric Stokes out, uh, that secondary is vulnerable, and it's going to be vulnerable against Tyreek Hill, who's capable of a play at any big moment. Jalen Wall, who's capable of a big play at any moment. Uh, and so that combined with how, how well I think the Dolphins uh, are are beginning to rush the ball, uh, I believe that the Dolphins will be able to uh, to come out with the win here at home. I, I do think Miami wins the game. I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be a closer game than people think. Like this Packers team – AJ Dillon finally looking like the guy that a lot of people spent early, you know, if only you played him last week. Yeah. Well, I did them because regardless, I still wouldn't have won last week. No, my, I got bumped out of the playoffs because, uh, uh, well, like I said, last or on, uh, on Tuesday because of the new England Patriots scoring back-to-back touchdowns on the defensive side of the football. So fuck you, Bill Belichick, you piece of shit. Um, but the Packers, run the ball incredibly well. They have Aaron Jones, they have AJ Dillon and the passing game's also gotten better. And it feels like, I mean, I actually, I want to look this up because it was on my list of things when I was prepping for the pod. I didn't quite get to it, but I want to know what the Packers record was. Are um, the Packers in the hunt? <laughs> the Packers are, and they have won uh, their three and two in their last five games, including that shootout against Philly. Sniffing um, around, huh? They're around it. I mean, they are not out of it yet. They, if they run the table, they would finish the season right now. They are uh, seven, was seven and eight right now, or sorry, six and eight right now. So if they if they run the table, they finish at nine and eight. They'd need some help, but they could potentially make the playoffs. Um, I just feel like they're they're playing the best football. Like that team I watch on Sunday night against the Eagles. That was a dangerous team. And Christian Watson obviously had his streak of, what was it, like seven touchdowns in three games or whatever it was. But that offense is getting better. The defense has come along. Um, You you have Jair Alexander on the outside who at least presents somewhat of a threat. And I don't want to say the playbook is out on how to stop the Dolphins because, again, you're going to get burned at some point between Jalen Waddell and um, Tyree Kill. And we saw the Packers even struggle with that. But I do feel like the Packers are going to be good enough to at least slow down this Dolphins offense, get physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and I think they're going to be able to control the ball too with the, their ability to run. The Dolphins are not a great run defense defensive team. Um, and I think they're going to commit to the run. It's going to be a little bit warmer weather, which I think helps Aaron Rodgers a little bit. So I'm taking the Packers. I like the Packers plus four. Nice. Yeah, All man. Right. Like what a, a pitcher's duel of a cornerback matchup. Zayvon Howard and Jair Alexander. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, whole uh, it's, it's a lot of boom bust with those two guys in, in terms of their cornerback play. Uh, they either play out of their minds or they get blown up for like 150 yards. Uh, all right, uh, we got three more games left here. The Broncos Rams. Man, if if only uh, Matt Stafford stayed healthy and uh, Russell Wilson didn't suck at football, this would have been an awesome Christmas Day <laughs> game. Uh, unfortunately, the Broncos and Rams both are not good football teams. And this game's going to suck. Uh, <laughs> this game's this game's going to suck big time. But uh, we're still going to watch it because it's Christmas Day. And what else are you going to do on Christmas Day besides watch football? Because who wants to drink hang beer. out with their family, right? Yeah, drink beer, watch football. Uh, Open Bron- presents. Broncos are a two and a half. Use your point- new putter that you get. 
I don't know. Yeah, there I'm you just... go. <laughs> you know, just come come just up with something here. Yeah. Uh, Broncos are two and a half point favorites on the road against Baker Mayfield uh, and the Rams. I think this line is right, and I, I I've heard that Russell Wilson might play in this game. He's supposed um, to, yeah. As of right now, I'm pulling up the injury report for this one. Uh, he's not listed on the on the injury report, which is a good sign. So we're gonna get Russell Wilson back. Is it though? <laughs> no, it's really not. Because honestly, <laughs> Brett Rippin looked better than than Russ did for most of the season. <laughs> but I'll say this: the Rams are completely folded on the season. Uh, I, I, you don't have your first round. Neither of these teams have their first round pick. So this is a total pride game. There's not gonna see not gonna see any Aaron Donald. Um. I'm going to take Denver minus two and a half. I don't think we have to talk much more about this game than that. Yeah, no, I, 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 this was one of those where, uh, behind the scenes, I, I keep a tracker of our, our picks against the spread here on the podcast. Uh, and I typed in Rams and then I deleted it, typed in Broncos. I did that about six times, uh, because this game to me, it means absolutely nothing. I, I wanted to take the Rams just because Russ w- was supposed to be coming back. Uh, but I do think that the defense is good enough to to limit the very few offensive weapons that the uh, that the Rams have. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the Broncos defense and take them at two and a half on the road. All right, we're both on the Denver Broncos here. Uh, yeah, Baker had his one shining moment and then uh, struggled a little bit on Monday night. But that game yeah. was also closer, especially with how the Packers have been playing. The game was closer than people thought. So yeah. I'll say I'll say this. I will say confidently, Baker Mayfield will be the better starting quarterback in this game, which maybe that's a hot take, but... Forge, no, I don't think so. I think, I think, I think right think now, we've seen enough. <laughs> based off of what we've seen from Russ this year, I think I'd actually... Well, I guess we have to also include the the Panthers Baker because Panthers Baker was really bad. Um, I don't know. I feel I feel like there's still enough there. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Sunday night here. Yeah, uh, if you I thought mean, that game stunk, well, yeah. And here we and go. Here, and here's the thing, right? Because we thought this game was going to be again preseason was going to be an entertaining, fun game, right? Um, no Kyler Murray, but we have Tampa Bay at Arizona. Tampa Bay is a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, not only do we not have Kyler Murray, but we also don't have Colt McCoy and Scotty. What My does that boy. Mean? What does that <laughs> My mean? My boy. Scotty? Trace McSorley getting the start on Christmas Day against the GOAT. How about that? That's right. We got oh, I tra- love you, Trace. <laughs> if you had told me when Trace McSorley was on that team that Saquon Barkley completely carried uh, in that Penn State squad, that one day we would see a Trace McSorley Tom Brady showdown on Sunday night on Christmas, on Christmas Day. On ESPN, or sorry, on NBC, I would have never, ever believed you. But yet, here we are, and that's why we love football. Um, Tampa Bay is a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, and I have no reason to suggest why I shouldn't take Tampa Bay right now. Um, I know the Bucs have looked bad, but look, if they can't cover a a seven-and-a-half-point spread against this Cardinals team, then what the hell are we doing? Uh, I don't know really uh, what we're doing, but you know what I'm going to bet on the goat not playing well again, getting some, wow. uh, some bad, I'm, I'm going with my boy trace. He's my ride or die. I love the guy to death. I'm going to take trace to cover the spread. See that that's at least an easy pick for you though, Scotty, because for you, like yeah, I got Eric... picks to play with. Yeah, it's fine. Well, you're way ahead too, but like also like, <laughs> 
for you, it's like if, if you don't have a connection to Tom Brady or to Trace McSorley, then you have like then I'm sitting here being like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do with this game. Right. <laughs> like I love I I don't love either team. I like Tampa Bay's defense. The Cardinals defense has been. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what you do with this game. You hope you're drunk enough throughout the day on Christmas Day that you don't have. You've just forget to turn on NBC at the uh, we, at the end of the night. Can we call this the eggnog bowl? I love it. Can we Let's call? Can we call the, yeah. the? Yeah, you know, whoever makes the the alcoholic eggnog, you're just pounding this shit at eight twenty p.m. on Christmas yeah. Day. You take because a, a. That's the only thing that's getting you through Tampa Bay versus Arizona. Take a shot of peppermint schnapps for every touchdown that's scored in this game. <laughs> Dirty Girl Scout every time. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take Tampa Bay. I don't love it, but look, okay. the Bucks. The Bucks defense is the best unit that we're gonna see in this game. Um, and I know Except you Trace love McSorley. We saw Trace McSorley last week when Colt McCoy went out, and it looked horrendous. So uh, I'm gonna take Tampa Bay here. Uh, and that brings us to our last game of the weekend, uh, Monday Night Football Chargers-Colts. The Chargers are four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Uh, do we see any more life out of the Colts, or does blowing a 36-point lead ultimately kill you as a franchise forever? Well, I'll tell you what. The last time the Colts played a Monday night game, uh, I think Jeff Saturday learned his lesson. He Those timeouts aren't coming back. So, uh you know, I think a little bit of game management here, and uh, and you're in it. I mean, their defense look look how well their defense played against what we think is one of the better teams in the NFL uh, last week uh, uh, in the in the Minnesota Vikings. So, I think the Colts can stay in this. Um, I just think the Chargers, the way that Herbert has played, and you know, it's he's not lighting up uh, stat lines. I mean, uh, he he. Come back with like two or three three hundred plus yard games, but he's doing the things that he needs to do to do to win, um, and, and that comes with getting Mike Williams back. That comes with getting uh, uh, Keenan Allen back. That comes with an Austin Eckler who somehow in Week 16 has not been injured yet, uh, right? And so those things um, those things help you out as a quarterback. I just think that that he's and we talked about this. Uh, uh, on Mon- on Tuesday's spot, he's so limited by the the play calling that I think that it, it sort of it, it does get robotic as as you called it. So, uh, but I think against the Colts defense, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, that that's not something that they can overcome, uh, especially as good as the the running game has been for the for the Chargers. Uh, and so I'm going to take the the Chargers uh, on the road here. Yeah, I, I'm taking the Chargers all the way too. Uh, and for the simple fact of you don't, as a human being, you come back from anything in life, right? Like you blow a huge sale as a as as a salesman, right? Or or, or any anything that you can apply, whatever happens in that 33 to nothing comeback loss for the Colts, whatever that is for you personally in your life, people are going to respond in one of two ways. You're either going to respond by saying I'm just completely defeated and I have no way of coming back from this. Or you respond by saying I'm going to come out and I cannot wait to get another opportunity to try to amend this horrible mistake and this horrible collapse that I had. Right. And to me, when you look at a roster full of 53 guys, it's going to be split 50, 50. 
And that to me screams that the Colts are going to be completely in balance in terms of how they're feeling going into this game. That locker room this whole week has to have been so weird. Like imagine like breaking down game film when you've just gave up the biggest comeback in NFL history. I can't even imagine. You do do the, uh, the Ted Lasso where they put it under uh, uh, the <laughs> like yeah. 10 times speed. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I forget the name of that song, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So for me, I think this Colts team with the Jeff Saturday stuff, which was already so weird. And then you add this on top of it, which is even weirder. This has to be chargers minus four and a half comfortably. I think, I think they find a way to do it. I think it's going to be uh, a pretty comfortable win for the chargers. Um, all right. Well, that does it. That gives our picks for week 16 in the NFL. I uh, want to give a special shout out to our boy Vito. Um, always appreciate him coming on the pod. Scotty, thank you to you. Uh, we are right around the holidays. Um, want to thank you for, for coming and donating as much, donating as much of your time as you have to this pod. Um, and most importantly, I want to thank our listeners and everyone who's out there because yeah. we do this because we love you all and we appreciate it and the fact that you make us a part of your week um is a really cool and special unique thing that we get to do so thank you for that i hope everybody has a wonderful safe holiday uh indeed safe travels uh happy merry christmas happy kwanzaa all those uh major holidays that are going on right now here uh stateside and around the world thank you um and we will have some sort of content i'm prepared to bring all of the podcasting equipment up to Pennsylvania. So I will have it up there so we can do a post pod after Christmas. Um, But everyone have a safe, happy holiday, um, healthy holiday, all that stuff. And we will talk to you guys uh, post Christmas and with a whole lot of more uh, NFL news and stuff to break down. So for Scotty, I'm Jeff. Thank you all for listening. We love you. We love you. And as always, take it easy, everybody.